0: Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7 and please stand for the reading of God's word. Make room in your hearts for us. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We've taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I, I said before that, you're in our hearts to die together, to live together. I'm acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with comfort in all our affliction I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing and your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, we would pray that you would... Uh, open up this portion of your word to us written so long ago and yet so up to date so today and so we ask that your Holy Spirit would apply it apply it appropriately so that we might receive comfort but also become overflowing with joy. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it seems like, doesn't it, that we have been under siege for months. Doesn't it? It has been months. But it seems so... Long, And I wouldn't compare the, the things that we're going through with traumatic things that you have had to go through in your life or other things in history. I think in some ways for us, it would even be arrogant for us to say no one in history has ever faced this kind of thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that would even be true. And yet, for most of us, This is absolutely unique, crazy unique times for us. As I began studying this passage this week, and I I mentioned this on uh, my Wednesday video, which, by the way, I encourage you, not not just because I'm doing a video on a Wednesday, I encourage you to watch those, but, for instance, this Wednesday we... Plan to announce when the service will begin, and so on. And I know some of you feel inundated with emails and things like that. But we we are really trying not to put out anything except that which is helpful and and necessary. But but Wednesday, I, in talking about this this passage, I I mentioned that. Uh, As I began to study it, and I've studied it before during my ministry, I've taught 2 Corinthians before, but it had totally different applications this time in terms of not only what I feel like I'm going through, but what, what we're all going through. And, of course, that's one of the beauties and the wonders of Scripture, that God's Holy Spirit takes that which was written a long time ago to a church in very different circumstances and then he has caused it to apply to churches all down through the ages down to us today. So one of the things that I I felt like we've got to figure out from this passage is how, how can Paul say uh, after all these afflictions and so on, and all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy? How can he get to the point where he says, so that I rejoice still more given what we know he's gone through and even what he's mentioning here? How could he? What was it that God did in his life, that God taught him? Uh, how was it that God comforted him so that he could get to the point of saying, you know what, even in all of this, I'm overflowing with joy. So let's take a look at it. And, and first, I, I think we need to understand what, <clears throat> what contributed uh, to Paul becoming downcast, uh, hang in there with me this isn't the the fun part of of the message but uh, what we what we I, I'm using this term downcast uh, we don't usually use that term, but that's the one Paul used uh, of himself in verse six but God who comforts the downcast and he 's speaking of himself and those. That were with him. And that literally means the lowly, but not in the sense of the humble. Uh, Humility would be a good quality, being downcast is not a a, a positive thing. In fact, uh, one word study uh, that I looked at said it is depression by circumstances. In other words, not some kind of a a, a medical depression, which is a real depression, not a chemical imbalance, but it is a depression because of what's going on around him. That's that's what kind of word that is, the word downcast here. So how did he become downcast? Well, in verse 5, he says, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. So just in that, that verse, we have several clues, several uh, reasons, several things that contributed to him, uh, Paul, becoming downcast. Let's, let's look at those. Uh, the first one, and it would be easy to just kind of fly by it, when he says, even when we came into Macedonia, that has to do with changed plans. He, uh, you, you may remember, um, we looked at this earlier in this book, back in chapter one. Paul explained that <clears throat> they were going to come back uh, through Corinth on their way to Macedonia. And Paul and uh, those that were with him ended up not doing that, bypassing Corinth. He took criticism for that, but there were good reasons for it. And so he had these, these changed plans when he had his master plan set out there. And he would even announced what his plan was to be. Now, during this pandemic, all of us have had to change plans. Every, everyone in this room, everyone watching. And I don't have to tell you what kind of stress that causes. Let me tell you a little bit, though, about what was going on here at church you know what was going on in your life, what kinds of things you had to, to give up or to do that you didn't plan on doing and 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 that kind of a thing, how cut off you felt. The week after we had to, to cancel worship for the first time, uh, on March 16th, we were to have a church-wide getaway at Ridge Haven. <laughs> Obviously, we had to cancel that as well. But attached to to that, the staff was going to go up early and have uh, a planning retreat to plan out all of the ministries and all of uh, our calendar for the entire next year, all the way through next summer. Uh, We had done that uh, the year before, not quite as... uh, uh, Lengthy of a time did we plan, but uh, and that's where the launch magazine came out, and so on and so we we planned to to have that, of course, we didn't go up to Ridge Haven, but we did decide to go ahead and have the retreat. It was the first time we all kind of awkwardly socially distanced and figured out you know where we're going to sit, how far apart, and who gets what bathroom in the building, and all of those things that we had to think through that we we never uh, ha- thought we would have to think through, but we had a, a, a retreat um, for a day and a half or so. It was very productive. We had, we had great times of prayer, encouragement. We got an awful lot of things uh, planned. In fact, we, we did get our calendar planned for this next year. But then, we kept being apart. And in this spring, more and more things that we had planned last year, we had to cancel. Basically, every week, uh, there were decisions that had to be uh, made about uh, canceling this and uh, are we going to keep that on the calendar? What are we going to do about... This and, and so on. And we're still having to do that. I, on my phone, like many of you, I have a, a calendar and, and it has uh, alarms and reminders that, that came up. And so many times there was just a sadness when something would come up that I hadn't taken off my calendar. And be a reminder, today is this. And it was just a a constant reminder that, no, it's not. We're not doing that. When we got to to Camp Jam every morning, it would come up. And then I would be here in this, you know, instead of the the church building having uh, adults and children in every corner of the church and activity uh, most of the day here, It was silent, eerily silent, and it was sad, and that was the change of plans, and we're all facing that. Every week, we're still talking about revising and reformatting and reinventing, and I'm not saying that's all bad. It's brought out creativity that uh, maybe we wouldn't have had otherwise. But at the very least, it's unsettling. There's a second factor here uh, that contributed to Paul feeling downcast, and that was a physical weariness. Verse 5, Paul says, Our bodies had no rest. Now, those of you that have trouble sleeping, I don't even have to explain this. You know what that's like, and you know how the cumulative effect of that can cause you to just be out of sorts not be yourself because of a need for rest Uh, we all know that if if we've raised children that there comes that that tipping point when when uh they're they're so tired and and if they do something wrong you say you, you you have to stop yourself and say this is not a teachable moment This is not a good time for us to try to correct that behavior. Why? Because they're so tired. And I've heard many during this time say, I I just feel weary. Maybe you felt that way. We function best when we, we function the way God created us six days of work and a a day of rest, the Sabbath. And this time, for me, has just been disorienting. Uh, We were early on actually recording our worship uh, before we went to the live stream. So I'm going to pull back the curtain and tell you a little bit about the illusion That you all received because it it looked as though it it was coming live. We weren't trying to fool anybody. This was just the best way for us to do it. But we would come in on uh, Monday or Tuesday uh, evening and we would record usually two worship services. The Easter week we we recorded four of them because we didn't know what the next month would bring. And uh, we did that over two different nights. So we would come up, we, we would always pray before we started that, Lord, we want to be worshipers here. We don't want to just be presenting something or making a video. And, uh, and, so, and we had some wonderful times of worship. And so we would do that on Monday or Tuesday usually. And then, because I couldn't uh, have enough sermons that far ahead, uh, then on Thursday, I would come in, and uh, uh, Craig would be up there recording me, and the puppets would be sitting there, and that was it. <laughs> and uh, all over my office, I had my ties laying around <laughs> with with dates on them so that I, I would wear the same tie when I preached that I was in worship that day, so it didn't You know, looked like I had changed ties in the middle of the service. Uh, It it was just so strange. But here's what disoriented me—I think the most. Then I, I, you know, Thursday I would preach that Thursday afternoon. I'm starting on the sermon for the next week, and nobody's even heard the sermon other than Craig, that was being preached. And then we'd get to, to Sunday. And, uh, you know, some might think, well, yeah, I bet you enjoyed the day off. Well, what I did enjoy was sitting there and worshiping with Connie at home because we haven't sat together that many weeks in a row since 1980 when I was ordained. That was a wonderful thing. I think it was a little disorienting for her at, at times because... Uh, when we would do responsive or readings or whatever, she said, I'm getting you in stereo. You know, it was, it was a, I was sitting behind her, and, and uh, you know, it was hard for me to say, yeah, I can't even stay with this guy. Uh, so uh, I did enjoy being able to do that, but then the rest of the day was just sad for me. It, it, it wasn't with the Lord's Day was supposed to be. That's not the way he meant it to be. And that, too, can cause one to be downcast. Still in verse 5, we see another thing that contributed to his being downcast, and that is unrelenting conflict. He says, we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. Now notice what Paul says. He says, at every turn we had uh, this affliction. You think you're through with one trial and you're not even out of that one trial and a new one hits you. That's that's what he's, he's saying and Uh, I know that we can relate to that with the COVID-19, this pandemic. You had your own normal trials going on, some of you with health issues or family issues or job issues and all of those things. And then there's a, a global pandemic that changes everything that we're familiar with. And then we're still in that and our country is in an uproar. And it it seems like there's just no let up. And you continue to live life and deal with things in your own life. It seems like for some, there's just no good news. Paul talks about those outward and uncontrollable things. And then he says he's also dealing with fear within. It's hard not to go there with that kind of accumulative uh, circumstance that he was going through, and that many of you, if not most of you, are feeling. Now, I'm very conscious that if you weren't downcast before I started this message, (laughs) that you may now feel downcast or say, I should have been downcast because of everything that's going on. But that's where I want you to take courage and stay with me because that's how Paul presented it. But that's not where he ended up. What did God do to get him to the point of saying, I'm overflowing with joy. I rejoice. He had all of these things that we have talked about. Well, let's take a look at how God comforts, at least from this passage, and there are many other ways he does. In verse 6, he begins by saying, but God who comforts the downcast. He says, all of these things are going on in my life, in our lives, but God. And in essence, what he's saying, that changes everything. Now, This is not original with me. You could do a whole series of sermons just looking up in the scripture where it says, but God. It's all over the place. And what we see in each case, uh, uh, places like uh, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so... Every time we see this, virtually every time in in the scripture, it's saying, Look, here's a turning point. If you couldn't say say that, then you're without hope. But as a follower of Christ, as a child of the living God, we have this phrase Yes, true, everything's going on, it's awful. But God, and notice he even has a name for God, God who comforts the downcast. We're going to come back to that in a minute. That's a name to remember. So how did he, in this case, comfort? Ordinarily, he's going to use secondary means when it comes to comfort. Sometimes he does it specifically and and directly, absolutely, he can do it that way. And that's always a part of the comfort. Never ignore that. But he ordinarily uses other things. Let's look here. For instance, uh, one of the things he, ways he comforts is through people. Verse 6, uh, comforted us by the coming of Titus. You say, well, what's, what's the deal there? Again, just a reminder, um, Paul had sent a letter to the Corinthian church. We've talked about this in previous sermons. His feeling was that, that from a human perspective, his whole future and his apostolic authority depended on, on how the Corinthians would receive that letter. And so Paul goes to Troas. He is expecting to meet Titus there. And he's not there. And Paul in his mind thinks. Well that confirms it. They have rejected. The apostolic authority God. Has has given to me. And so they've rejected his word. And are rejecting him. So then when Titus does show up. Paul felt at peace. Sometimes. Sometimes. It is just the mere presence of someone that can make the difference. Now, that also points out the danger of uh, uh, isolationism and pulling away. Sometimes when people are in difficult circumstances, they, they pull away from God's people, and that's a dangerous route to go. It can often make People more downcast, more depressed. Now, I know right now with social distancing and the quarantine, we have restrictions. It's frustrating to, you all, to all of us. So many times I would have been with people in their homes or at hospitals or at, at surgeries and, and, and various other things. And I just can't do that. I'm not allowed. but when we're able to function again. Here's a rule of thumb that I want to give to you. It's it's actually a rule of thumb for non-quarantine times, which is, you know, ordinarily. And that is, if you wonder, should I go and be with that person? The answer is yes. Long ago, that, that became my rule of thumb. If I'm grappling, I wonder if I should go or not. Then I go. And I have to say that I don't ever remember a time regretting going. I remember many times regretting not going and not following that rule of thumb. So during these times, you can't necessarily go. But if God is prompting you with that, like I I wish I could be there, I would substitute, make a phone call, make a contact. It's not the same as being there, but hearing another person's voice and concern is way better than silence. So you can continue to minister to one another in in that way. The next way God comforted Paul was through expressions of genuine concern and sympathy. Verse seven, and not only by his coming, but also by uh, the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. He lists three things You can flesh them out. Your longing, that's an ardent concern for him. Your mourning, he's grieving. uh, People were grieving alongside of them. That's a a lament. And your zeal for me. Their care and deep concern and those kinds of expressions that, that came to him brought him comfort. What Paul understood from Titus was that his first letter did have an impact and that they were desirous of a right relationship with this apostle. Now next week we're going to go on and we'll, we'll be talking about the repentance that, that was evidenced and, and a right repentance. But one last thing I, I ordinarily don't do this but I want to take you back to the second sermon in this series because we made a point there that, that is, is so relevant here. I want to repeat it for you. We talked about the God of all comfort. That's the name there. And in that sermon, we, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete by Jesus. Jesus. That word paraclete comes from uh, the Greek word that's used here for comfort. And it means to be called alongside of one. That's how Jesus described the Holy Spirit. And here we see that word being translated comfort. But comfort is not just to escape to make one feel better. It's not just, oh, they're there. It'll be okay. That's not what biblical comfort is. certainly not here. That word comfort is repeated so much in, in Corinthians. It has more to do with strengthening than soothing. To be called alongside of, to strengthen someone. The Greek word means to help by giving courage or making brave. And even the English word with the the Latin root uh, comfort comes from fortis, which means strength. Shows up in words like forte, fortress, fortitude. Comfort according to the Bible, isn't about feeling better. It's about being stronger, being strengthened. So Paul just keeps using that word over and over. And and here's an application. As you pray, when you are feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling downcast, As you prepare, if you're not feeling that, as you prepare for the inevitable next thing, and there will be a next thing, there will be another hit that will come. We know that. That's life. That's living in a fallen world. As you prepare for that, I want to encourage you to use the phrase Paul uses when you talk to God. Oh God, who comforts the downcast. Start that way. Oh God, you're the God who comforts the downcast. I am coming to you today in need of your help, your courage, your strength for today so that I may rejoice again. Let's pray. Lord, for those that are downcast, help us to know that you are that God of comfort. And Lord, will you help us to seek joy, not in our circumstances, but in you, O Christ. And then, Lord, will you use us, like you used Titus, use us, Bring comfort to others. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.